morning we are going to read Psalm 15. Shall we open up our Bible and go to Psalm 15? It's a, one of the smallest Psalms in the Word of God. Psalm 15 has only five verses. So we are going to read from Psalm 15. Psalm 15 verse 1. Lord, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? He who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. He who does not backbite with his tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor does he take up a reproach against his friend, in whose eyes a wild person is despised. But he honors those who fear the Lord. He who swears to his own hurt and does not change. He who does not put out his money at usury, nor does he take a bribe against the innocent. He who does these things shall never be moved. This morning I would like to title my sermon based on Psalm 15 as Who Can Go to Heaven? Who Can Go to Heaven? Isn't it important to know who can go to heaven? If we know the answer for this, we can decide whether we are going to heaven or hell. Right? So this morning I believe this sermon will give us an idea where we are heading. What is going to be our destiny? And we are going to study that from Psalm 15. Because the Psalm 15 starts with a very serious weighted question. A very valid question concerning the destiny. Concerning the destiny of people of God. The Psalm, Psalm, Psalm is the David in fact. He says, he starts the Psalm like, Who may abide in your tabernacle? And who may dwell in your holy hill? So he has a question and I believe the psalm has an answer because he got a revelation from God as he put this question to God himself. And the question is concerning the characteristics of the residents or the citizens of heaven. And David is saying that if you have such and such a characteristic in your life, you can go to heaven. You know, this morning it is important because, you know, as, as the psalm speaks to us, as God speaks to us, it is important for us to know what are the characteristics that we may need to possess in order to go to heaven. So two questions, who may abide in your tabernacle? Who may dwell in your holy hill? You know, he is asking about who. He is not looking for a name as such. He is looking for the description of the person who can go to heaven. And I believe not all of us are going to heaven. Yes? That's what Bible says. Not all of us are going to heaven. We are going to heaven? We are going. Yes, we are going. We all would like to go to heaven. Right? Can we just go if you are just like this? We need to learn the word of God. We need to do certain things in our lives. We need to make the expectation that what God has in our lives. You'll come to know a little soon. Whether we can go to heaven or not. When I read this Psalm 15, I was not sure. 
I need to set things right in my life to go to heaven. So David is asking a very serious question. And I never read this psalm just in the way I read it two days before. So what kind of people are those who will be honored by God or who will be favored by God in his dwelling place? You know, if God can take XYZ to heaven and put everybody in heaven, we will continue to make the mess even it in heaven. So God is very careful not to take everybody there. And he will filter it out such a way that only those who are having the characteristics of a citizen of heaven can enter into heaven. And this morning we are here to find out what are those characteristics that we need to possess in order to go to heaven. So David is addressing this question not to everybody, not to anyone, to God, but to God. Because God is the one who is ultimately deciding who can go to heaven. Can we decide? Can we decide I'm going to heaven? You know, we wish, as faith said, we all wish to go to heaven. But who decides ultimately? God can God, God only can decide. He's the ultimate decision maker. So David here, asking this question in the very Old Testament way, it's totally outdated, that question. Who may abide in your tabernacle? What is the tabernacle? It was a dwelling place of God as the children of Israel were wandering in the wilderness. So tabernacle talks about the dwelling place of God. And he says, who may dwell in your holy hill? You know, Mount Zion is the mound on which the temple of God, supposed to be located, should be built. Bible says in Psalm 132, verse 13, Psalm 132, For the Lord has chosen Zion, he has desired it for his dwelling place. So when David asked this question, who may dwell in your holy hill? David is asking the Lord, Lord, who is worthy to be in that place, in that special place? Who can dwell there? Who can abide? And as we read this psalm, my, my question, our question this morning, am I? Am I going to be there in the heavenly realms? It's a privilege. It's a privilege. You know, if you read the scripture over and over, the Bible says, narrow is the way. Very few will walk in that way but very few many will walk in the broader way which takes us to the eternal hell and today we see you know millions of people you know even if you think about our own nation of india some of most of us many of us are from that nation i believe still many people even though in respect of all the ministries and you know missionary work that is going on in that nation majority of india is not saved yet the reason election is an evidence. You know, this morning God is asking us, and we are in fact asking God, Lord, who can go to heaven? You know, one thing that is very clear from the word of God is there is no citizenship in heaven by birth. Are you with me? All the citizens that are going to heaven are naturalized citizens. There is no citizenship by birth. God did not allow that. Because I am born in a Christian family, because I am a Jew, because I am a Gentile, because I belong to this tribe, that tribe. No, we cannot go. Who can go to heaven? Only those who are washed by the 
blood of the lamb only those who are names are written in the book of life can go to heaven so there is no natural there is no there, there is no citizenship by birth so there is a requirement for any nation and i was just looking at Hannah. what are the requirements to become a citizen of canada to be an eligible citizen of canada one has to satisfy all these requirements that canadian government has put forth you must be a permanent resident of this nation you have we would have lived three years out of the five years that is 1095 days at least you should have lived in this nation you would have filed all your taxes if you need to become a citizen of canada you need to prove that how well you know about canada and you need to also prove your language skills if these are the requirements to become a citizen of this nation on the face of this earth how much more is required to become a heavenly citizen amen now as an answer david received this revelation from god that is what is psalm 15. so he got a direct answer from god for the direct question he put forth to god and what are the characteristics of the citizen of heaven you know this morning i want you to pay attention because these are some of the simple issues that we miss in our lives these are some of the simple areas the behavior and our characteristics we are careless at times we overlook these areas often but you know what they are potentially dangerous to prevent our entry into heaven so we are going to start with psalm 15 as David asked that question in verse 1, who can go to heaven? Verse 2 says, shall we read verse 2? He who walks uprightly and works righteousness and speaks the truth in his heart. Number one, characteristics or behavior to go to heaven. One who is sincere and honest in practicing religion. Can you read that with me? One who is sincere and honest in practicing religion what david says is an answer who can go to who can dwell in the tabernacle who can dwell in the in the holy mountain and the answer is he who walks uprightly and works righteousness and he who speaks truth in his heart one who is sincere and honest in practicing religion one who is sincerely following god I want you to listen to me this morning. He wants us to live exactly the way we speak. Are you with me? He wants us to live the same way we speak. Now God, I, I pray that God may help us to think this morning. In our workplaces, among our colleagues, among our fellow students, you know, what, how do we behave? People watch the way we live. People watch, listen the way we speak. People watch the way we live. You know, someone said, there are many people in this world, they don't read the Bible. Right? But they read our lives. And we are the living Bible in front of them. And David is saying, one who is sincere and honest in practicing what you profess, what you confess. You know, they know that we are followers of Christ. So they expect our lives to resemble what we speak. You know, when you think about this, this is important. You know, because of our behavior, because the way we deal with people, people can lose their faith in God. 
on the other way, because of our behavior, the way we deal with people, people can be drawn to Christ. You know, there is a very sincere discipline is what is expected out of every child of God. You know, it's not easy. It's not easy. It may be easy for someone who is hanging at the cross. It may be easy for someone who is at the moment when he is about to die, he accepts Jesus Christ. Probably he may go to heaven. But we are not dying. We are not hanging at the cross. We are living. So Bible says, we need to work out our salvation every day, daily. It's not that one day we saved and we are saved forever. No, it's not that we don't preach that, we don't believe that. It is every day we need to work out our salvation. How do we work out our salvation? Being sincere to what we say, being sincere to what we read, being sincere to what we speak. God said to Abraham in Genesis chapter 17 verse 1, when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abraham, Abraham and said to him, I am Almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. Can you read that with me? Does it speak to us this morning? I am Almighty God, walk before me and blameless and be blameless. It's not enough. That we know God. It's not enough. We have faith in God. God expects us to walk before him blameless. You know, we need to live such that no one can blame us. No one can point fingers to us. God is expecting us to remain trustworthy to the call of God upon each one of us. Amen. So number one, who can go to heaven? One who is sincere and honest in practicing religion. When I say practice in religion, I'm not talking about the rituals. I'm talking about practicing what we speak. Practicing what we speak. Number two, the question again, still the same question. Who can go to heaven? Verse three, shall we read verse three? He who does not backbite with his tongue nor does evil to his neighbor, nor does he take up a reproach or disapproval against his friend. You know, this sermon is not an easy sermon. Last week it was a very easy sermon, right? Waiting upon the Lord. Even though it is difficult to wait, but it was easy to listen. But this sermon is not easy to listen. He says, he who does not backbite with tongue, nor does evil to his neighbor, nor does he take up a reproach against his friend. So number two, who can go to heaven? One who does no evil to his neighbor and sensitive of his reputation. Can you read that with me? Does it make sense to you? One who does no evil to his neighbor and sensitive of his reputation. So he says very clearly, David says, who can go to heaven? One who does not backbite. Not double-tongued. Not double-tongued. You know, there are many of us, at times we speak good in front of people, but when we turn the other side, we speak bad things. Bad things. I remember consciously in my life and in our family, even in our church, we need to say that, okay, let's stop here. Let's not talk about somebody who is not here. Let's stop. You know, God hates such things. God hates such things when we do this. It doesn't matter we are a believer or a child of God or, or a baptized woman of God, men of God, but you know what? God says, one who does not, does no evil 
to his labor and sensitive to his reputation only can go to heaven, not double tanked. Scripture says, David says, just be careful not to hurt anybody. Not to hurt anybody. By our words. By our deeds. And at times we wonder, when are we going to learn such things in our lives? Do we need to become 25? 50? 75? 99? When are we going to learn such things in our lives? Not to hurt anybody by our words and deeds. David is very clear. One who does no evil to his neighbor, nor does he take up a reproach against his friend. And he is saying very clearly not to destroy someone's reputation. You know, it's true in our workplaces. Uh, even though we are children of God, there are moments, you know, we come across people making faults in front of our own eyes. And God is saying, you are concerned about your neighbor, your friend, the person who is working with you. And the, the, the initial tendency from within us is to highlight those defects. Highlight those failures of somebody so that we can become somebody great. David is saying, such people cannot enter into heaven. We need to work out our salvation every day. You know, God is against those who blow up someone else's fault. God doesn't like that. It doesn't mean that we need to hide everything under the carpet. No, it doesn't mean. There is a better way of dealing with people. And God may give us wisdom to do that. Bible says not to rejoice when your neighbor or friend or someone goes through a very difficult time. The natural tendency is okay, somebody spoke something against us. And now there is a time comes that person is going through some difficult time in his life, in her life. The flesh from within us says, see what he spoke against you that day. See what he, you know, deal with, dealt with you, dealt with you, or she dealt with you in a very harsh way. Now God is punishing him. God is punishing her. Do you think that way? No? No? Then you pray for them? Wow, thank God for the angels who are sitting here in this church. That's what is the expectation of. I'm not saying that you do it, but I'm just asking. Right? It's a natural fleshly thought, the desire that comes from within us, saying that God may punish. God may show this to him, that I'm a child of God, he can't do anything against me. God may take them this way, and then you know what, God will you know, work in their lives, and punish their lives, and do these things, then only they'll come to know God. That's a very fleshly desire, Proverbs chapter 24 verse 17. Bible says, do not rejoice when your enemy falls. It's the word of God. Do not rejoice when your enemy falls. And do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles. You know, Jesus said, put all the commandments in two commandments. You know, very two important ones. Yesterday we talked about it. Love your God and love your neighbors. But this is true too. How do we lie all our neighbors? Do not rejoice when your enemy falls and do not let your heart be glad when he stumbles. 
And the, and the Bible says, you know, it's very clear. He, it, it says, as, the, as we read in this particular scripture this morning, we cannot even falsely witness against our neighbor. We can't even falsely witness against our neighbor. We need to be correct. We need to be right in what we speak. The week before, two weeks before, I heard a, I heard a phone call uh, from, from a woman in the United States and asking to pray for her because she's, she's supposed to enter into the court to witness a situation in which she worked five years before for the government. And she was very afraid because she has to, if she has to tell the truth, she has to speak against the person who is fighting the case. And she, want, she was in need of prayers. And the prayer request was that, God, help me to say the truth in that moment. I don't want to bear a false witness. I'm a child of God. No matter what happens to me and my family, it is possible that their family even can be destroyed. It's such a bigger issue with the government. But he says, she says, just pray for me so that I will bear the right witness, not the false witness. It is important. There will be challenges in our workplaces. And Bible says, as David says, we cannot reproach. We cannot take up a reproach against our friend. Psalm 101 verse 5, whoever secretly slanders or backbites. Whoever does a character assassination or defames someone or misrepresents someone. Bible says in Psalm 101 5, whoever secretly slanders his neighbor, him I will destroy. It's the word of God. And God expects us to be careful in those areas. At times we take things light and we, at times we speak and just we move away. But you know what? These are all recorded in the memory book of the Lord. In the remembrance book of the Lord. Lord remembers such things, such instances. So we need to be tender hearted. We need to be, we need to have interest in others well being. Not rejecting, but accepting. So number two, how we can go to heaven. One who does no evil to his neighbor and sends it to you of his reputation. Lord, I don't want to put him down. I want him to flourish. I want him to be blessed. I want him to come up in his career, Lord. Lord, I'm not going to do anything against him, Lord. I'm not even going to think anything about, against him. I'm going to pray. I'm going to still love him. I'm going to still love her. You know, that's the attitude that God expects from a child of God. Number three. Verse 4, shall we read verse 4? In whose eyes a wild person is despised. But he honors those who fear the Lord. Who can go to heaven? In whose eyes a wild person, an evil person, a wicked person is despised. But he honors those who fear the Lord. He who swears to his own hurt and does not change. So let's talk about the first part. Of verse 4. In whose eyes a wild person is despised, but he honors those who fear the Lord. Number three, characteristics of someone who can go to heaven. Number three, one who values men by their virtue. Can, can you read that with me? One who values men by their virtue, not by their personality, power, or popularity. Who can go to heaven? One who values men by their virtue. You know, there are people who value and praise ungodly, wicked people for worldly gain. Have you come across such people? There are people, there are millions around us today. 
They value, they represent ungodly, wicked things of this nation because they think that they can get some gain or benefit. They follow them. They support them. Knowingly they are wicked, but they do that to get some benefit out of them. And God is saying, if you do that, I hate you. I want you to honor those who fear the Lord. I want you to honor those who fear me. God is saying this is totally wrong. If you support somebody who is wicked, if you support somebody, their intentions are not right. Their intentions are evil. God is saying you should stop supporting them. Not supporting people by their appearance, by their power, or by their popularity, but to support those who fear the Lord. Amen? That tells us to whom we should vote. We're not talking, we're not, you know, about politics, but then talking about what Bible says. To whom we should vote, even in our, our elections, whose side we must stand. Bible says, David says, we must stand depending on the values they bring, not the benefits that they give. Can you just digest that little bit in your head? We need to support for the people of people who are standing even in election by the values they bring to this nation, not the benefits. Not the benefits. The values they bring. How your children are going to grow in this nation. And what is the future of this nation? What is the future of our family, our settlement, our children in this nation? You know, that's what is important. We need to, we need to support and we need to stand with those who bring such values. Not by looking at the popularity, but by their virtues, the quality of life, the standard they adhere to. That's what should be the factor for our support to anybody we would like to support. Proverbs 18.5 I'm reading from New Century Version. Proverbs 18.5 Bible says, It is not good to honor the wicked or to be unfair to the innocent. It is not good to honor the wicked but and to be unfair to the innocent. You know, number three, God expects us to value people by their virtue, not by the popularity, not by the power, or not by the, what kind of benefits they can, you can get from them. You know, God is very particular. God expects. Number four, let's move further. Let's read verse four. Verse four says, again, verse four, in whose eyes a wild person is despised, but he honors those who fear the Lord. That's what we spoke about just now. Now, the second part of verse four, he who swears to his own hurt and does not change. And does not change. Number four characteristics of anyone who can go to heaven is one who keeps the promise does not withdraw from it, even if it hurts. That's what the Bible says. That's what that particular scripture says. One who keeps the promise, does not withdraw from it, even if it hurts. I want you to listen to me this morning as God speaks to us. You know, these are all easily neglected areas of, a, of the life of a believer, of a child of God. And I believe this morning God is speaking to us. God wants us to correct some areas in our lives. One who makes an oath. Or one who swears an oath or makes a promise must fulfill that promise without changing, without withdrawing, even if it hurts. Even if you it required to suffer loss, still we cannot withdraw once we make a promise. We all fail in this. We all fail in this. 
There are many promises we have made to God. Where do we stand with respect to those promises that we made to God? We know that our God is a promise-keeping God. He doesn't change. When he has spoken, he will not change. He's an unchanging God. He's a promise-keeping God. This morning, God is asking you, do we still keep those promises? Keeping the word is more important. If we say we will do, we must do. You know, we lack that in our blood. We lack that. That particular element, if you draw blood out of you and put it in the mission and test that, we lack that promise-keeping element in our blood. And this morning, God is telling you, I don't know, you know, for a child of God, once we become a child of God, when we start walking with the Lord, you know, we just forget those basic things and, you know, we are all about God and God's presence. But this morning, God is telling us, life is more important than what we speak. Life is more important than what we preach. And God is telling that that particular element is missing in our lives. Once we make a promise, God expects us to keep that word. God expects us to keep that word. There are times in our lives that we are, you know, we make promises to people. And when we are not able to keep that word, at least we need to get back to them and reconcile and say sorry and discuss the reason why we are not able to keep this promise. You know, when we show such a behavior in workplace, people are not going to like Jesus. And they will question, is that the Jesus you speak about? Is that the Jesus you worship? You know, we are bringing defame to God when we are not faithful, when we are not able to keep the promises that we make in our workplaces, when we make a promise to our manager, when we make a promise to our lead, when we make a promise to our nurse manager, we want to make sure that it is done. It is done. You know, that's the characteristics of a child of God. And God expects us to depend. God expects us to adhere to that. And God is saying, may it be with your neighbor. Or may it be with your friend. Or may it be with God. It is important to keep the word. And those who keep, do not keep the promises. Cannot dwell in heaven. I don't say that Psalm 15 says. Psalm 15 says. Think about it. Not just our salvation is going to take us into heaven. The life is important. The way we live on the face of this earth is important. Deuteronomy chapter 23 verse 21. We are going to read two scriptures and go into the final point. Deuteronomy 23, 21. When you make a vow to the Lord your God, you shall not delay to pay it. For the Lord your God will surely require it of you and it would be sin to you. That's what Bible says. That's what God says. You know, if you decide to give your firstborn child to the Lord, just give, holding the child for your benefit is a sin. That's what Bible says. If you make a commitment to the Lord, Lord, if such and such thing happen in my life, I will follow you. I will do. You know, when, when people come to prayer, they come for prayer. And when, when God answers the prayer, they don't follow God anymore. Forget about coming to church. They don't even follow God anymore. And God says it is a sin. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 verse 4. When you make a vow to God, do not delay to pay it, for he has no pleasure in fools. Pay what you have vowed. Pay what you have vowed. An oath is a sacred thing. Making a commitment is a sacred thing. Making a covenant between two individuals is a sacred thing. And God expects us to keep those promises in our lives. By doing that, you are showing to the world who you are. You are a child of a true God who always speaks truth. 
who is always faithful. You know, God is expecting us to reflect the qualities of God through our lives as we deal with people in our lives every day. In our, our lives every day, God expects us not to withdraw from those promises. Finally, verse 5. Who can go to heaven? Verse 5 says, he who does not put out his money at usury, nor does he take a bribe against the innocent, he who does these things shall never be moved. If you obey all these five aspects that God said, we will never be shaken. We have a strong foundation in the Lord. Number five, one who does not increase his wealth by unjust practices. Can you read that with me? One who does not increase his wealth by unjust practices. Listen to me before we close. There are people living in the wealth earned by the hard labor of other people. And that's the, you know, the scripture is talking about that. Can you just get back to the scripture again? The scripture is talking about people who are living by the wealth that is earned by the hard labor of other people. There are people in this world, they lend out money for very high interest. And people, those who borrow money, they will not be able to pay because the interest is very high. Banks will not give them loan. You know, banks will not, financial institutions will not give them loan because they don't have any, enough credit. But then they end up in buying money, lend, getting money lent from individuals. And you know what? They require high interest. David says, he who does not put out his money at usury. Do not use the God-given wealth to gain more money in an ungodly way, in a wrong way. God says, but a citizen of Zion, the holy mountain of God, will lend money to the poor, even for free, according to his ability. Or even give money without asking interest. You know, these are small things, small issues that we deal with every day in our lives. At times neglected, but God is very particular. Not to lend for heavy interest. And one who does not increase his wealth by unjust practices. Just want to talk a little bit about unjust practices. Money that is gained through gambling. Have you ever been there? Sitting in front of a slot machine? Yes? How much you got? Somebody said yes. Yeah. How much you got? <laughs> okay. You can go there. You know, we can go to Nevada, Las Vegas, and then, you know, can try maybe a couple of slots missions and see whether we can get some money. But keeping that as a practice, in a, obviously it's a gambling. There are different types of gambling. Sometimes people don't agree. Oh, no, no, no. It's, it's a source of money, source of wealth that God has given Lottery. Yes? Even our believers came and asked me sometime. Now I'm thinking about you know, seeing whether the you know, lottery will help me because I tried my job and uh, I tried promotion, but it's not happening. Maybe lottery can help. Is there anything law wrong in taking lottery? I would say, yeah, yeah, you take lottery and then you get money and bring the tithe to the church. No, I won't say that. No, robbing the family time, listen to me. 
These are all good things at times, but you know what? Robbing the family time, this is the exact answer I gave to someone when he asked me. Robbing the family time that your children are just waiting for you to just come and spend a few minutes with them. Robbing the time that you need to give to God and sitting in the front of the computer and watching how the stock markets are performing and try to invest money here and there. Investing is not wrong. Investing is not wrong. But what is the cost of that invest? You are, you are doing it at the cost of something which is more precious. If you keep on investing stock market, you keep on you know, watching, watching, and sitting in front of the computer and you know, find out where the market goes. And few months later, few years later, children are gone, your wife is gone, you are just all alone. God is very particular about our living, how we live on the face of this earth. That money that comes unjust by unjust practices, any income earned, listen to me very carefully, any income earned is tax deductible in Canada at least. Are you sure? Are you with me? Yes. Any income earned. Are we faithful in paying our taxes? The money that for which we have not worked for will not be a blessing. The money which is supposed to go to government, it is equally as equal as money which is coming to the offering box. That's what Jesus said. That's what Jesus said. Now we need to be faithful in this. It's a simple thing. It's easy to hide. But it's very important. God hates such things. God hates such things. Those who give bribe and receive bribe are hated by God. That's what the Bible says. Exodus 23.8. Exodus 23.8. Bible says, And you shall take no bribe. For a bribe blinds the discerning and perverts the words of the righteous. And God hates this. God hates this. And this morning I believe God is speaking to us. There are a couple of areas in our lives we need to set those things right. Only God can bless us. Anything that we try to do in an indirect way, anything that we try to do in, 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 a, in a hidden way, anything, you know, there are loopholes. Even in CRS policies, there are loopholes. But let's not try to hide behind those loopholes. Let's bring it out. Let's be open. Let's be honest. You know, we'll see God blessing us because only God can bless us. Only the riches of God can bless us and he will not add sorrow to it. That's what Bible says. And I believe this morning God is speaking to us. Shall we all stand for a moment? I, I know it's not a very encouraging message this morning, but it is a message that keeps us, makes me to think, Lord, what am I doing here, Lord? What am I trying to do, Lord, on the face of this earth? I am watched by hundreds of eyes every day when I walk on the streets, every day in my workplaces, Lord. What do I reflect? What do I reflect, Lord? David's question was, who can abide in the tabernacle? Or who may dwell in the holy hills? In other words, who can go to heaven? Number one, we talked about one who is sincere and honest in practicing religion. God wants us to do what we say. God wants us to do what we read. God wants us to do what we confess every day with our mouth. Number two, one who does no evil to his neighbor and sensitive about his reputation. 
This morning God is asking us not even to think evil. Then your neighbor may be evil. Your fellow student may be evil. Your colleague may be evil. They may not be doing the right thing towards you. But God is telling you, you being a child of God, not even even think about them in your, in your dream. Not even even think bad things about for them. Pray for them and love them. Number three, one who values men by their virtue, not by their personality, power, and popularity. God wants us to support those who fear God. God wants us to hate, not to continue, not to provide, not to show our support. God doesn't want us to support some of the wickeds for worldly gain. God doesn't like that. Number four, one who keeps the promise does not withdraw even if it hurts. God wants us to keep what we say so that we, our words will have value. Our words will have value. People will find our Lord God through our lives, through the words and through our deeds. Number five, we spoke about one who does not increase his wealth by unjust practices. 